0: Friends, and welcome on into a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment of the SCO show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Monday, September 13th, 2021. Week one of the 2021 NFL season drawn to a close. We'll draw to a close tonight with the Ravens and the Raiders. But you're here to talk about the New England Patriots who opened their season at home. Division rival Miami Dolphins coming to town. And they lose in somewhat heartbreaking fashion, 17-16, to 16, a game where they had opportunities to win, they had chances to win, the game was in their hands, and then it wasn't. What we're going to do today, I'm going to take you through the stuff I liked and the stuff I didn't like in the second half of the show. We're going to talk about turnovers, we're going to talk about missed opportunities, we're going to talk about mistakes and penalties... We're going to talk about what we liked on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about what we liked in the run game. And, of course, Mac Jones. Before we do any of that, however, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Radio, even blogging the boys. As I mentioned, you're going to be doing some Dak Prescott breakdowns this season. But those of you that know me, you know my heart resides in New England, and so even with the flurry of week one of the NFL season that happened all around us, you carve out time to watch the New England Patriots, watch that game, and then re-watched it on the Secret Secret All-22. NFL's got to get their stuff together with Game Pass, they really do, but rewatched it, and I have my thoughts and I have my takeaways, and we're going to dive into that right now. And I outlined the stuff that we're going to talk about, the stuff that we are going to focus on, but I do think that, as you might expect, we start with Mac Jones. His first NFL start, and in my mind, Jones played very well. Jones finishes the day, completed 29 of 39 passes for 281 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, NFL passer rating of 102.6. But I think beyond that, Was sort of the veteran presence that Jones showed during that game, and I guess you could even say after the game, with how he handled the media, how he talked about the game, how he talked about how they need to get better, and he made comments to the effect of, I maybe let some things slide during the week, during practice, that I shouldn't let slide, so... I thought it was a very veteran performance and I want to break down and talk about a couple of plays from Jones to illustrate that. Some of you might have seen me talk about some of these plays both in a piece I wrote over at USA Today and in some of the Twitter, you know, video breakdowns that I do. But Jones really impressed me with a couple of different throws. The first one comes at the two, uh, excuse me, the 444 mark of the second quarter. And he's going to throw sort of the safety splitter route that I like to call it. Seam route from Nelson Aguilar, working up the field against a cover two Tampa two defense. Now as a quarterback, when you want to throw this route against this coverage, you have to worry about that Tampa two middle running linebacker, right? He's the guy that's dropping, that's getting depth. So you have to manipulate him somehow. You have to get him in this situation to worry about the other side of the field. To worry about something else. Because his job is to sort of get depth with that and take that throw away. And in this case, that linebacker who's dropping Jerome Baker, who's opening to Aguilar's side of the field. Aguilar's part of the three receiver side. That runner is going to open to the three receiver side. He opens to that, but Jones gets him to flatten his hips and pay attention to the other side of the field. How? By finishing his drop showing football and staring to that side of the field. He shows ball, he even gives a little pump, and you get Baker to sort of flatten his hips, right? So he's dropping, he's got his eyes on the three-receiver side, but he's sort of watching the quarterback too. He sees Jones, he thinks ball is coming out, so he flattens and puts his hips parallel to the line of scrimmage. What does that do? It creates just enough of a window for Aguilar to get on top of that linebacker, for Jones to then reset his eyes, reset his hall, his feet, reset the hallway, as we like to say, and throw that safety splitter to Nelson Aguilar over the top. It's a very sort of veteran-savvy move. And you can see that Jones knows exactly what he's doing here because he hits his depth, he's flashed the ball, he's shown the eyes, but then immediately the ball starts coming out to the other side of the field to throw Aguilar on that safety splitter. And he puts it on his frame, and so even though Aguilar takes the big hit, it goes for a completion and a gain of 25 yards. There was another play later in the game where he throws Aguilar open on the go-flat combination to the left side. So this play comes, the 8:01 mark of the third quarter. It's a second and 15. Patriots backed up on their own 14-yard line. You're down seven. And you have the go-flat combination against the cover-two look. And once more, Jones flashes ball on the out route because that cornerback is playing a hard corner. He drops with the vertical, but he's playing a hard corner. Jones flashes ball. The corner jumps the flat route. He resets and throws to Aguilar on the go route along the sideline under pressure, and he puts the football to the sideline. So again, Aguilar can shield himself from the safety, make the catch, take the hit first down I'm a huge fan of when quarterbacks can manipulate defenders and get them to do something that either they shouldn't do or maybe they shouldn't do or something that goes against what they've been taught to do in a given moment two great examples of that from Mac Jones there was another play from Jones that I really liked it was of course that floater to James White right It's a third and 11 situation later on that same drive. 5.55 left third quarter. You get man coverage, and Jones is so decisive here. He knows White is matched up in man coverage. White runs a great route on this wheel, and he drops this throw in absolute perfect position, this floater of a route. Great throw, great catch, really nicely done. Were there things that, you know, maybe he missed on? Yeah, there were a couple moments where, you know, he missed on some opportunities downfield. And we're going to talk about those in the second half of the show. You know, there was one play that I, I, we're going to focus on where I think it's a great learning experience for him, an opportunity missed in the passing game. But overall, I was very happy with what we saw from Mac Jones. I was also happy sticking with the offense here with a lot of what we saw from the run game. And it started off the bat. First play from scrimmage, simple zone run to the right with Damian Harris. And friends, this is absolutely textbook, coaching clinic, teaching tape, whatever phrase you want to use, outside zone run game. Because you get everything you want to see. We'll go left to right here, okay? Backside, Isaiah Wynn. Backside of outside zone. What do you want to do The guy across from you? Cut him. He doesn't fully get Agba to the ground, but he gets enough of him that by the time Ogba gets close to Damian Harris, there's no chance at making the tackle. Next up, Michael Wendou, left guard. He's got to make a reach block here because he's going up he has to reach the zero tech the nose guard that's head up on David Andrews now that nose guard slants inside just a bit so it makes it a bit of an easier block but O'Wennew still got to get there and he does it perfectly his footwork in the path is so good cuz he gets that left foot across makes contact drives upfield uses the upper body to turn him away it's literal teach tape on the outside zone run from the backside guard And then since Awenu can reach him, Andrews gets up. He takes backside linebacker Baker, erases him from the play. Next is Shaq Mason. He's moving fluidly to the right. But that linebacker, Landon Roberts, our old pal, he crashes downhill. Mason recognizes it, meets him in the hole. Roberts has a shot to blow this play up. But Mason meets him in the hole and then twists him away. Harris sees that come to fruition and cuts right behind that. And he cuts then upfield behind David Andrews, washing Baker out of the play. You also get Trent Brown washing outside the, the play side, defensive end. It just comes together perfectly. You watch the end zone, sort of all 22 angle of this. And it's beautiful. I mean, you can't draw it up any better. It's just a perfect example of outside zone. It's clinic tape. It's teach tape. It's exactly what you want to see. And the running back reads it perfectly. There's another run at the 213 mark of the first quarter. Damian Harris goes for 11 on a run to the left side. This looks to be an inside zone play. But the job that we get here from Jonu Smith and from Isaiah Wynn is tremendous. Because they run a little twist game, the Dolphins do. There's a defensive end on the outside shoulder of Isaiah Wynn that he's expecting he can just fan towards. But he slants inside into the B-gap between Owen nu the left guard and Wynn the left tackle. And Wynn has to mirror that. Otherwise, this play is going nowhere. And it's an incredible job of lateral quickness for, for Isaiah Wynn to not only recognize that, but then get into this guy the defensive end here, and wash him down the line of scrimmage. But that's only the first good block. The second one is from the tight end Smith because now with that guy stunting inside, linebacker stunts to the outside, Smith is also stepping to the inside with that right foot, expecting to sort of mirror things. But now he's going to react to this linebacker, Landon Roberts. There he is again, scraping around. So he has to turn his back, his body back, to pick up Roberts, to pick him up, and he does that, and it creates just enough of a crease. And you get footwork from Harris going through the hole. He has to hurdle over Isaiah Wynn, who's now fallen to the ground. As this has happened, and Wynn who has executed a combination block down on the nose guard, then up to Baker, who's scraping over from the backside linebacker spot. Wynn comes in behind that, picks up 11. It's a tremendous job from those two players, Smith, and a to, I mean, excuse me, and when to react to that stunt, and then you get a when new up to the second level. Harris identifying it, the hurdle, the carry, really good job. Now I want to talk though about some of the stuff I saw on the defensive side of the ball. I was very impressed with what happened, what we saw on the two sacks: first from Kyle Van Noy, second from Josh Uche. We'll talk about the Van Noy one first. Third and eleven. mark the first quarter. Patriots show overload look here to the right side of the Dolphins offense. You've got Hightower lined up, basically head up on the right tackle. Van Noy outside of him. And then Matthew Judon in a three-point stance outside of him. Christian Barmore head up at the nose tackle spot. And you've still got, oh, by the way, you've got Josh Uche in that wide nine alignment outside the wing tight end on the other side of the formation. So you've got Three pass-rushing types outside the right tackle, either head-up or outside the right tackle. You know, you've got Josh Uche outside the wing-tight end to the other side and a head-up defender. They all come. It's Judon that's the disruptive force here because he basically, for some reason, the Dolphins think it would be a good idea to have Miles Gaskin in the wing to handle pass-protection responsibilities against Judon. Judon basically runs through his face Gets pressure on Tua. Tua does a good job at sort of stepping up and getting around it, but there's really nowhere to go because Josh Uche, with his speed rushes, collapsing the other side. Christian Barmore has all by himself collapsed the interior. Tua's running for his life. He thinks he has a second of grass to the right side, and he runs right into Kyle Van Noy. Just a well-designed, well-structured sort of pass rush. The coverage is there, but really, he doesn't have a chance. You know, then there's the Josh Uche sack, which is, I mean, Liam Eichenberg just doesn't have a prayer here. I mean, he just steamrolls him, flattens him, and gets to the quarterback. This is right at the end of the first half. It's a second, it's a third and five situation at the 27-second mark of the second quarter, 27 seconds left. Tua doesn't have a prayer. Uche is incredible off this snap. It's just a pure power move into Eichenberg's chest, his feet aren't quite set he's still shuffling back on his heels and he gets tripped up by the left guard so I mean it's it's just a combination, like he might have had the ability to drop the anchor if he's not tripped up it wasn't looking that way, he's kind of on his heels to begin with and then he trips over his his right guard his guard, the left guard, excuse me and it's just jailbreak type of situation And finally, the other thing I like from the defense, look, you get the interception, right? You get the interception when you needed it. That was a great play from this Patriots defense. You know, it's the 8-minute, 17-second mark of the fourth quarter. You're down one. You need to get the football back. It's a third and seven. You pressure Tua. They're in a little blitz up front. And you get Adrian Phillips, who's coming from the second level. He's going to blitz on the inside. He sees that the pocket is starting to collapse on the interior. Judon gets washed down a bit. So Phillips reads that and pops to the outside. Loops around and flushes Tua. Tua trying to get it away. Trying to throw it away. Gets drilled by Judon who doesn't give up on the play. Forces a throw. It floats. It gets intercepted. And the Patriots, they're in position to win this game. Unfortunately, as you know by now, they didn't quite do that, and we're going to talk about that next here on episode 202, a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the SCO show. Mark Schofield back with you here on episode 202 of the SCO show, a melancholy in the infinite sadness installment. New England Patriots losing in the season opener, 17-16 to the Miami Dolphins. And this is a game that, look, they had... They had every opportunity to win this game. They had every opportunity to win this game, and they didn't. And you have the two fumbles. That's, a, that's something that just can't happen. Now, I know the the Ramondre Stevenson one, a lot of people have talked about how, you know, looking at that over the past couple of hours, reviewing that, it wasn't a fumble. And that's true. Like, you know, watching that play, rewatching that play, it looked like he was down. was called a fumble on the field. Do you have enough to overturn it? You know, they said no. That's a tough break. Damian Harris putting the ball on the turf when you're already in position to at least kick the go-ahead field goal late in the fourth quarter to put the football on the turf. That's also tough. So turnovers, not great. Can't have that happen. Not great, Bob. Penalties. Bill Belichick, very unhappy after the game with some penalties that really shot the Patriots in the foot. Get eight penalties for 84 yards. Not good. Really not good. So those things you don't like as well. There was a play. There, there are a couple of Mac Jones. Two things about Mac Jones that I do want to address here. One was a lot of people are saying, you know, on the timeline and elsewhere, oh, he was so conservative. He was just checking the football down. Like they didn't ask him to do anything. Watching and re-watching that game, studying that, like, I, I, don't, I don't really see many opportunities that he missed where he should have taken some shot plays downfield. Like, I, I really don't see that. You know, there were some concepts where, yes, they had vertical routes dialed up and Mac Jones didn't throw them. But most of the time, I saw defenders either running with the route or I saw other reasons why Jones would elsewhere with the football. Like, for example, on the Stevenson fumble, right? It's a first and 10. They go play action. They're trying to dial up a little something in the vertical passing game. You get kind of an out and up to the right from the wing tight down to Hunter Henry. But there's pressure. There's pressure over the right side. You know, you get an aggressive pass rush against Justin Heron. You know, he's got to climb the pocket initially. And then the interior starts breaking down. So even though, look, Hunter Henry runs this out and up, and I think it was sort of a, yeah, it's, no, it looks like a clear out and up, and he breaks open. The only reason he breaks open is because the ball's already out to Stevenson because Jones is under pressure. He's had to climb. He's had to you know drop the eyes and move in the pocket. He's got to get rid of the football. The pocket's breaking down. Another example, first play of the fourth quarter. They go empty. They go Haas. Like, you know, typical Patriots stuff. And he tries to hit James White on the hitch route to the left. And the reason why he immediately catches and throws here—they bring a slot, blitz, a, a corner blitz from that side. Byron Jones peels off James White before the snap, blitzes from the from the outside. Jones sees it, and all he wants to do is catch and get this out. But Jones is an athletic enough player that he gets a fingertip on it and deflects it. Now, if the protection is okay and Jones has a second to hand in here then I think, yeah, he's got an opportunity to hit Gunner who's running that seam route from the slot. He's got an opportunity to throw that. But because he sees that blitz coming, he wants to just catch and get it out. Look, you know, we place the blitz with the ball. And that's what you're taught to do. Defender over the hitch guy is blitzing, catch and throw to him. Jones just makes a good play to break it up. So I think they were... You know, there's this idea that Jones really played conservatively. They didn't ask him to do a ton. There weren't a lot of opportunities that he passed up when he was making some of these decisions to throw short, to check the ball down. Now, I do think that there's one play that will be a learning lesson for Jones, and it's a second and six at the 801 mark of the second quarter. Dolphins show zero blitz. We We saw this so much from them last year, right? They show pressure pre-snap. They show blitz. You've got seven defenders down in the box, all of them in blitz posture. This is what they did so often last year. They'd go go zero blitz. Sometimes they would go zero blitz and drop. This is one of those plays where they go zero blitz, look pre-snap, but they only really rush five. A lot of these guys drop off. But it still almost plays out like cover zero in the, in the backfield, in the secondary, because you know, the two outside corners play off man, and you've got Jason McCordy who's trying to stick on Jacoby Ry- Myers, running a and route from the right slot. Now Jones reads this right. He sees no safety in the middle of the field. He likes Myers running that cross and route with no safety help. Pockets breaking down, so he throws that. Hands in there, makes a nice decision. But he puts air under this. He puts air under this and it gives Jason McCordy an opportunity to close on this, disrupt it at the catch point, and break this up. Now, I know there's been a lot of discussion about Mac Jones from an arm strength standpoint. Does he have a good arm? Does he have a cannon? Maybe he doesn't have a good arm. And I think the problem with this throw from Jones isn't necessarily a lack of arm strength although i think jones's arm is more of a good enough than a overpowering arm but i think he just feels that myers is going to have enough of a step to maintain the separation and he can put a little bit on this to make sure he catches it but he's going to have to learn that no the other guys are good too jason mccordy's fast enough he can close down that window so if you put air on this that's not going to be good enough. This is a moment where, you, even though the pressure is around you, the pocket's breaking down. You might feel like you've got to get this over the top and put a little air on it. You have to step and drive into this throw and put some velocity on it because he had some throws where you saw velocity. You know the touchdown to Aguilar, You know it's a short route. It's kind of an under whip. You know reverse pivot route, reverse whip route kind of thing, and he put put some velocity on that throw. Put some RPMs on that one. So he has the arm to make throws with more velocity. I think this is one of those moments where he didn't do that and they missed an opportunity for a big play. You know, talking to seeing what people are saying about Jones right now, you know, scanning around the timeline. A lot of people think, look, man, he's good. His superpower is accuracy. Now you got to find the feel for those moments. Find the feel for where you've got to dial up the RPMs and then deliver in those moments. And so that's what I'm going to be curious to see going forward. Look, he said all the right things after the game. You know, I've got to to be better. We've got to get better. He didn't want the the football after the Aguilar touchdown because it's like we hadn't won anything. Overall, I was impressed with what we saw. And this was against a very good defense from a year ago. Now the question becomes, can you learn from what happened? Can you learn from that moment, that incompletion from Myers, and apply that in the week ahead? And so... That's my thoughts on week one. You know, I'm not going to wildly overreact. Week one, overreaction Monday, it is here. It is upon us. Everybody's losing their minds. But from where I sit, look, you lost a game in which you had two turnovers. You lost a game in which you fumbled the ball away when you were going in for at least a game-winning or, you know, a field goal to give you the lead late in the game. You held them to 17 points. Your rookie quarterback didn't turn the football over, didn't throw an interception, comported himself well with the offense, and he was doing it against a defense that last year was pretty darn good. If you would have told me Saturday morning that Mac Jones is going to throw a touchdown, no interceptions, complete 29-39 of 39 for 281. I don't know if I got the exact numbers right. Yeah, 281. 29-39 for 281. Hey, mine's still working today. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. I would have taken that for in, in a heartbeat because – well, yeah, we want to see this team win games and compete for a playoff spot. This is going to be a tough division. It's also about the growth of Mac Jones, and this is a heck of a way to start out. Now we might get some bumps along the way, but thankfully we get the Jets, who were a bit up and down, but they're a banged up team right now. So you kind of have to feel, well, it would have been great to win. You got to feel good about what comes up next weekend, and that's where we're going to turn on Wednesday. We're going to talk about this game, we're going to talk about the Jets. Talk about what they did in week one. Until then, friends, stay safe, wash your hands, and when you do, sit along. Bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxborough.